Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's better than a normal, shape-shifting, uh, world-conquering alien bent for the destruction of the Earth and of some of our finest heroes? A super version of that that also has superpowers, and that is what we're going to be discussing today. We're going to be looking at the very first appearance, the origin story, if you will, of a character who is now finally making his way to the, uh, well, not the big screen, just the small screen here on, on the Secret Invasion show. That is the Super Skrull. Before we get into that, I've got to bring in my super co-host, Remzo Martinez. Remzo, what's happening? Bro, I'm surprised we actually haven't done a lot of scroll stuff on the show. The last time we discussed the scrolls was over a year ago during that Black Panther comic where he was leading the Fantastic Four and they went to oh, some yeah. scroll planet in another universe that got eaten by the Marvel zombies. <laughs> that was a fun one. That was that a very was unexpected, uh, a rare Remzo gem. No, that's not true. You get you have some. That good was you that was a fun, that was on that's on top of the pile though. Indeed. But yeah, like, no, I mean, I wanted to I, I wanted to talk scrolls with Secret Invasion going on, but I thought, you know, it'd be too on the nose to do Secret Invasion, the the series and stuff. And, you know, I think I think we need to get back to when the scrolls were like really starting to stand out because you got a lot of aliens in comics. You don't really have characters that really come out of that and stand on their own. And the Super Scroll is one of my favorites because he got his own limited series during the Annihilation era of Marvel. And that was freaking awesome. Well, it's interesting the way that they're kind of uh, to somewhat spoil uh, Secret Invasion, the way that they're doing the Super Scroll there, because they haven't introduced the Fantastic Four. And as you'll see in the story today, uh, the Super Scroll, the original Super Scroll, is literally a regular scroll, so he shapeshifts, only he also has all of the powers of each member of the Fantastic Four, only better, because he's he, like they, as they display, uh, he, he's, he's got better powers than all of them, uh, and, and that's kind of the extent of it. But because they haven't introduced the Fantastic Four in the MCU proper yet, uh, they had to bring in the Super Scroll. They didn't have to, but they decided they wanted to bring in, bring in the Super Scroll concept. Uh, so instead, they show us like glimpses. And again, I'm probably spoiling this for you, and I don't care. Oh, I know about this part. Okay, yeah. Well, they show they show glimpses of because the graphic is working on this some kind of. He even uses the phrase Super Scroll. We're gonna, but he's gonna turn all of them into Super Scrolls. Uh, and they show like the what they're working on in the in the lab, if you will, and who's who they're like drawing from to create the Super Scrolls. And you see Groot, so that can suffice for like the stretchy powers of Mister Fantastic. I think Cull Obsidian that you see. So it's like the strength of the thing. Uh, there's a couple others I kind of forget. Uh, but anyway. 
Point being, it's interesting that they did bring in the Super Scroll, even with and the, even seemingly with similar powers before they bring in the Fantastic Four in the MCU. But you know, who knows what goes on back there nowadays? I don't know what goes on Feige's mind anymore. Uh, but we don't have to worry about that because we are going so far prior to even, I would imagine, even the existence of Kevin Feige uh, on this very earth. This is way back into, I want to say, is it 64? Is this issue come out? Let's see. Why doesn't it say a year here anywhere? Anyway, uh, it's the very early 60s is, is when this came out. I can tell you the date. It came out on September 18th. They don't have the because they didn't even imagine that we'd be thinking of comics uh, in terms of years at any point. I think they're just like, all right, we got a book out. This isn't going to be a thing that that's well, they were. They were long. just happy to go month to month at that point. Exactly. They're just happy to be there. Um, but I really do. OK, so this is this is a, an all time classic team. This is still the foundational Fantastic Four team of Stan Lee writing drawn by jack kirby so you got the big guns here on this one and i I do really love the way had you read this uh, issue before by the way had you gone this far in in the silver age fantastic four before i have but ironically i got it through the original fantastic four cartoon which was basically them taking the comic book strips and animating them so i went ahead and watched that whole run at one point i remember it was on disney back in like you know 2003 2004 and then after that i went ahead and got uh, fantastic four classics volume one and two and actually read them and i was like oh they basically just ripped straight from the panels which was pretty cool so i uh I, i've got i got a soft spot for this story in particular just because it it really sets the tone for what makes marvel back then different um you know it's just it's, you can't you can't help but love these OG stories. I'll just put it that way. I believe this came out in 1962. Oh no, I'm sorry, I was close. That was a guess though. That was pretty good. It came out 1963. That's interesting Damn. because it says, oh yeah, I, I remember now. This used to be how comics worked. I don't, I'm not sure if it still is because there's the release date. But then there's the cover date and the cover date would be a couple months after the release date. I remember this when I started, even when I started reading comics in the 90s and I never understood why. They they do that to one month now because they're preparing themselves to go ahead and start uh, producing the next issue. But they also do that in case there's ever an issue of distributors. Interesting. Well, that being the case, we, we do start off. This is, of course, well before Marvel actually had anything resembling what you might call a recap page. But they do this in sort of a, a very campy, sort of uh, funny way here to me when they start off in the Fantastic Four. I love Wait, the way- Mark, I'm yeah. sorry. Yes. But have you had your coffee today? Thank you very much for mentioning that, Remzo, because if I seem a we little off. We can't read comics without our coffee. If I seem a little off, a little slower than normal, it's because I only just started moments ago drinking from this mug, which, of course, does contain fine coffee from our friends at Fox and Sons. Go check them out at foxandsons.com, F-O-X-N-S-O-N-S.com. What goes on at foxandsons.com? A plethora of amazing coffee beans that will be delivered directly to your house by the man himself, Stephen Fox. That's not true. He's not going to actually show up at your house. Uh, It'd be cool if he did. That would be pretty cool. We're creating Stephen Fox lore. He's like Santa Claus. You know, he might even have a certain level. If you buy enough bags, he will literally come to your house, have a cup of coffee with you, and then, and then take off. Uh, no, but for now, he just ships them to your house. But what's great is that, first of all, if you haven't sampled this coffee yet, stop what you're doing. Literally, pause this episode. Go to foxandsons.com and pick a bean. If you don't like coffee, you're crazy. Start drinking coffee. Uh, but if you really can't drink coffee, some people can't. My wife can't, which leaves more for me. Uh, I know you got a, a family member, a husband. Uh, a father, a son, you know someone that drinks coffee. So you want to head over to foxandsons.com, grab a bean, any bean, get yourself 
15% off your sample order, we'll say for now, because you're going to come back for more, 15% off any order over $25 using discount code what, Remzo? Second print pod. Exactly. You got to spell it all out. Don't do the two, the end. Write the word second. Don't be lazy, all right? Second print pod gets you 15% off that order. And then once you're hooked, as you will be, you want to go back. And I want to be clear about this. There might have been some confusion. Um, you once you can't use the discount code on the subscriptions, but there's a reason for that. It's because the scrip- subscriptions are already being discounted for you already by Stephen Fox. He's taking $4 off right now every subscription bag. So well, I guess he's a man of the people. Exactly. So you cannot lose with Fox and Sons Coffee. It is literally what is powering this show as I'm about to go take a sip. So fill some air because I am going to take a big sip right now. Now back to our <laughs> regularly scheduled programming. This was as close to a recap page as we were going to get. There you go. Uh, at some damn fine coffee, as, mm-hmm. as, as Dale Cooper would say. Now, so the, the Fantastic Four are uh, sitting around, huddled around the TV, uh, wa- watching a recap of their last episode or the last issue, I guess you might say. I did it there. I did it. Um, but this is kind of an episode because they're watching TV, so you can see the confusion. Uh, they're doing a recap of the, the the news is basically recapping their battle with Dr. Doom. He's saying, thanks to the Fantastic Four, the menace of Dr. Doctor Doom seems to be over, at least for the present. But if you ever see this man, you are urged to modify, notify the police immediately. And it's pretty funny because, uh, you know, Johnny Storm is like, does he really, does this news guy really think like Dr. Doom is just walking around the street in this costume? Like that's who you're going to have to look out for. And it, it it's just little stuff like this that reminds me why I, almost always enjoy reading Silver Age comics because it's this kind of sort of campy, sometimes even fourth wall breaking ish type self-deprecating humor. self-deprecating humor. It, it like, yeah, exa- very much so Delph- self-deprecating in the sense that they're, they're almost making fun of the comic medium itself. Many times uh, the thing even says here, Oh, he, you know, cause Mr. Fantastic is saying, Oh, he's recapping our last adventure and, and uh thing definitely breaks the fourth wall. He says, yeah, that's for guys who are too cheap to buy our mag. Like, so what's your mag in the context of this story? It's obviously he's referring to the fantastic four comic book. So for all the complaints, including mine about the fourth wall breaking she Hulk, uh, this was uh, very common in the 60s, but it really was. This is really before. I don't want to say they didn't take. I think they did take their internal continuity seriously. But like I said, they weren't thinking about the year 2000 here. The year 2000. They were just thinking about They were just happy to be here. So they're fine to, to poke fun at the medium. They're not worried about. Does that necessarily make sense that they're referring to themselves being in a comic? No, because it was just it was just fun and it would just be it wouldn't override the story. It would just be a little line like we're getting here. But before we even get to the story, just what, what do you think about this opening? This completely fourth wall breaking. Uh, oh, we're just recapping our last adventure for the audience uh, sort of intro here. What, what I love about this era of Fantastic Four is also what I love about X-Men, what I love about Spider-Man. Marvel was willing to give Stan Lee a lot of flexibility after almost a decade of him writing stories that were just not doing well because they weren't allowing him and his artists to be as creative as they could be. So when it came to Fantastic Four, which is already a series that Lee had to fight for, um, you know, they were really like, you know what, Stan? Do what you can, because we're going to give you a few months to handle this. And if you can handle it, we'll keep going. And obviously he did, because Fantastic Four issue one was one of the best selling Marvel comics at the time. It would not do it would not be topped until Amazing Spider-Man issue one, almost, I think, a, a year or so later. So for him to be this experimental of things, I think Stan Lee gets a lot of crap these days. The Disney um, documentary does not 
does not help his legacy at all. I think they go too negative, but like there's a stigma that Stan Lee was not as creative and that he took a lot of his ideas. No, we're not talking about Bill Kane and uh, I'm sorry, Bob Kane and uh, Bill Finger. No, Stan Lee was a creative person. He had a wild imagination and he did put as much into the books as his artist did, as Kirby did, as Ditko did. So this is just very classic Stan Lee. You don't have a lot of the modern storytelling in comics without moments like this to just build upon. Indeed. With that being said, we will dive into our actual story here. And, this, and as we continue with sort of some of this campy humor here, there he's there. So they're about to cut to footage and the, and the news anchor tees it up. He's like, Oh, we're going to go to some footage of the thing. And then right when they go to like the footage of supposedly of the thing, like, you know, battling Dr. Dimmer, what have you, they say, all right, well, we were running really late tonight. So we got to cut away. Uh, we got to go. But before we do, uh, he, we're sponsored by Tootsie's dog treats. And they, they show out this video of all these like little puppies. And then thing just gets so mad. Like he was, so this was the, classic thing i mean this was always part of his character even going into modern times of him having a little bit of a temper but he was just the biggest freaking baby in history here he starts throwing things around he start, he grabs the tv like smashes the tv he's just he's just throwing a freaking tender temper tantrum here uh just because he he didn't get his full his full time to shine uh on the local news but they, they really like what what i think what the early fantastic four whereas now the things we see here are like elements of their characters because they do sort of treat them more as, as complete, uh, more complicated individuals here. They were really just, they would just kind of hone in on one characteristic. And like, that is what you get from this character. Like fantastic. Like Mr. Like Reed Richards is just a nerd. So he's a nerd. That's all. he only does nerd things. Johnny storm is just this hot head who like likes to party and, and like hang out with chicks. So that's, that's what he does. He's a hot, and, and thing, thing, as a temper and thing is a big baby and thing gets mad about everything and smashes everything. That's what you get. But this is our, and, and Sue is, well, Sue's a woman in the sixties. So let's be honest. She's invisible. She's invisible for a reason. <laughs> they were kind of like on the nose of that one. They're, yeah. They're, they're like, what do we do? Let's just do what we normally do. Just have her. We ignore her. Okay. So anyway, make sandwiches, Sue. Uh, so they're all going to go off and, and do stuff. And then, you know, they're calling, they're calling uh, Ben a big clown and everything. So whatever, that's just kind of our, our setup to the, the show. Uh, and then we see that Sue, so, <laughs> I love the 60s, man. I really, we really got to read more, more Silver Age stuff. So they're all getting dressed to go out on the town. Uh, <laughs> ben Grimm, you got to get the, you guys got to follow along with this, with this, uh, this issue. Go, just go to your Marvel Unlimited or some other method and find Fantastic Four number 18. And thing is in like this pimpin' pinstriped suit this green pinstripe suit with a fedora and a freaking scarf on his net neck just ready to, which is funny to me because like okay so he's angry that he doesn't get enough time on the news right so he didn't get you know his full what have you uh his full recognition but when he goes out he wants to cover himself up and doesn't want to be seen as a thing so it seems like a little bit of a, a conflicting narrative there in in the thing's mind here does he want to be unseen and unknown or does he want to be the hero known as the thing i don't know uh but at the same time mr fantastic and sue storm are getting dressed to go uh, and they're gonna go swimming on a date but they're wearing these fucking space outfits so what do they got and ben's like what do you got swimming pools on the moon then we get a little globe propaganda here when we see uh reed's idea for the inter so it's it's called a experimental passenger icbm so it's an intercontinental ballistic missile that puts people in it <laughs> and then they fly places I'm not sure how it lands. They don't really get into that, <laughs> but we're to believe that they're just going to go uh, take this little intercontinental intercontinental ballistic missile. Say that 
three times fast. Dude, it's um, less it's less phallic than Jeffrey Bezos's rocket ship. It's somewhat less phallic, but we're still we're still very much in the phallic realm. Uh, let, let's be honest here. That's a the Fantastic Four. They 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 explore the the negative zone and in some other issues the phallic realm. We don't really get into that conversation as much, but it, it is part of the canon as far as I know. Uh, then we head off to the Skrull homeworld where. What did what struck you about these scrolls, Remso? Anything? Do they look at any different than our normal scrolls to you? It, remember when we did that really old Submariner comic from like World War II, and it's like these look all, exactly like those guys. They look exactly like them, but more frog-like. Yeah, they, they tried like, to make the scrolls look really alien, more like you know, not like as far from human as possible, other than the fact that they walk on two feet and stuff. And now it's like you know, we go from this to like thirty years later, we get uh, was it Lija, who's like the super hot scroll chick, and it's like, damn, like they had some changes going on. The one that marries Johnny, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Lija, big Lija, yeah. Fan. The yeah. '90s was was a was a great thirst trap for for young Fantastic Four fans. I'll tell Good you. Good job, I mean, Marvel. Between Elijah and uh, and sexy uh, sexy Sue, I mean they they did some <laughs> things right there. Uh, but yeah, these these scrolls do not look. They look much more comical, I would say. They look much more amphibious, and they're not really the green hue that we're used to. They're a much more like they're almost like a light blue, a light greenish blue. Uh, like they just mint. look. They look a lot less menacing. I I would say. Uh, but they're watching the Earth because like that's what frog they do. people. I guess they just have telescopes, and they've been waiting for their opportunity. And I guess this is their chance. They've decided this is the time. The moment is at hand. I guess because the Fantastic Four are splitting up. It's always funny to me when like entire alien races are fixated with a specific hero team. Like they just got to defeat the Fantastic Four, and we're good. They they're not thinking about the Avengers. They're not thinking about Spider Man. They're not thinking about the Hulk or Iron Man. Any of the guys that were around at this time. It's just like if we get rid of the Fantastic Four. It's a cakewalk from here, <laughs> which I find, uh, which I always find pretty funny. It's almost like they do, like obviously this is a connected universe, but they don't, they don't lay into it. I think as much early on. They did keep, even though there were some crossovers here and there, they kept a lot of these characters sort of sequestered in, in their own way. Whereas world shaping events, it wouldn't, they wouldn't even try to explain why, you know, because nowadays when they had big events and characters are missing, they'll have an explanation. They'll be like, oh, the Fantastic Four is off in space, which means they just didn't feel like writing them into this. But they're off in space. They're doing something else. But here they just, they, you, you normally you would want to get eventually when this whole thing goes down, some, some like, oh, the Avengers are, you know, they're in another dimension right now. So they can't they can't help with this. But now here it's just the scrolls have decided the only thing in their way that they need to concern themselves with conquering the earth is taking out uh, Fantastic Four. I think that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's kind of like an Iron Man three. Everyone was like, where are the Avengers? Like Tony Stark is, quote, dead and the Avengers don't show up like six They're months after looking their for big him. movie. Exactly. Yeah, wasn't there, there was like- never an explanation for that. I think everyone's just like, yeah, Tony will be fine. And couldn't. <laughs> yeah. And then couldn't have like, I don't know, like. I don't know if Doctor Strange had come out yet. I don't know. There's enough no. characters with mental powers that you think like Wanda could have been like, oh, yeah, I, I can. Tony's alive. Yeah, he's alive. I can sense him or whatever. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. Uh, and we're learning that the plan on the great Skrull homeworld, they've, they've collected all their top scientists, put all their greatest minds at work to do what? Cure Skrull cancer. No, that's not what they did. They decided to put all of their great Skrull minds together to create the super Skrull and they're going to dem- and then here he is. I like it's so funny to me this bit. I I I I I think we need, need to have at least we need to at least do quarterly revisits to the Silver Age because it is always I always remember because in my mind the Silver Age kind of sucks in its own way and it does in its own way. Uh, it's not 
you're not going to get the sophisticated. same exactly you're not gonna get the same depths of stories that you get now um but well i shouldn't say now that that maybe you got at an earlier point in between now and then no, it's like ahead of ourselves Cause, here because yeah because i would rather read silver age than almost anything coming out of marvel oh, yeah. right now maybe literally anything coming out of marvel right now uh because it was just in the in the situations where it wasn't that good they just do such a good job and when i say they i mean stan lee of being so campy and so cheesy that you find yourself laughing and you know what if i'm entertained i'm entertained you know maybe nowadays i want to maybe if i'm reading a 90s comic i want to be entertained by a gritty sophisticated story that makes me question um you know all sorts of things and makes me think about philosophy and pol- who knows you know but that wasn't really how we did things back then. And maybe when I'm reading a 60 story, that's not what I want. When I'm reading a story from the Silver Age, I wanted to see some pure camp and I want to be laughing at the absurdity of it all. And I'm, I'm ar- only a couple pages in and I'm already doing that here. Oh, yeah. It's so charming. Yes. And uh, we do unveil the Super Scroll. <laughs> I just think it's so funny because he just he looks like any other scroll when he first frog shows up. person. He just looks like any other frog guy. He kind of has some more muscles, maybe like he's a little bit of a bigger, bigger pex, I, I would say. Um, Hitting the gym, getting swole. So they he's on Sports the, Scroll Illustrated. <laughs> they introduce the Super Scroll uh, to the Emperor and they're like, guess what? He's got all the powers of the Fantastic Four and even more. So let's let the demonstration begin. And first they're going to show off the Mr. Fantastic powers. Now, Hey, he says, Hey, are you, are you looking for some specto fish emperor? Do you want some specto fish from the deepest part of the scroll? See, no problem. They're a hundred miles away, but he's going to go get them. So he stretches himself a hundred miles, grabs these. And by the way, impressive fishing skills. Like he can just do one reach into the scroll sea and grab the specto fish. I'm impressed by the super scroll, uh, super, super scrolls, very unheralded fishing technique, hand fishing. Technique. He can go get that GameCube controller right next to the Titanic. There you go. Exactly. If only we had the super scroll back then, uh, he demonstrates that power. He also demonstrates that he can flame on just like Johnny storm. But what they really emphasize here is that in each circumstance, he not only has the fantastic four power, as I mentioned before, he has it, but better he has it on steroids so he can stretch way farther than mr fantastic um he doesn't just possess regular fire like the human torch he also possesses an antimatter fireball which can destroy anything even the peak of a small mountain so this guy is tough he can also lift this thing they have this apparently i don't know what they had this weight this cosmic they call it the cosmic generator anyway he's able to lift the cosmic generator and they say it weighs over 100 tons this is incredible i can't believe how strong this guy is and just when they're saying, you know, I want to congratulate the Super Scroll, he's like, where, where did he go? And then he says, hey, here I am. I'm invisible, just like women. And he shows up and he's like, that's that's my last power. My last power is to be invisible like the visible woman. And then he implies, I also have one more power, but I'm not going to tell you. What the fuck? If I was the emperor, I, he, and he's fine with that? He's like, no, I'm the fucking emperor of the Scrolls, and I paid for this. I want to know your last power. Like, you don't get to hide that from me. Obviously, it's to hide it from the reader because they want us to be surprised later. Uh, but, you know, if I was the Scroll Emperor, I'm like, no, bitch, tell me the fucking power. Do you know how much money I just put into this thing? 700 billion scroll dollars. No, show me the damn power. But that's just me. I, maybe I would have been a different kind of emperor. I, I think you're justified. All right. So one week later, because I guess that's how much time it takes uh, for a, a super scroll to travel to Earth. Uh, we see that Ben, well, Ben is still out doing Ben Grimm things dressed in his dressed in his hat and his scarf. And uh, I think he's looks like he's uh, at a bowling alley here, but he just crushed the bowling ball when he's trying to, to squeeze his fingers into, into it. So he's just he's just out and about. 
uh, doing Ben Grimm things. Uh, when then there is a report on the radio. They're all at the mall. They're all like in their in their normal garb here. And Ms. for the Zoomers by listening, the way, a mall is where people used to hang out, eat food, and buy shit. So Mr. Fantastic can't shop for clothes in the traditional sense, right? Because all his clothes have to be that special, like, Fantastic Molecule. I don't right? think we were supposed to think too much into it. Okay, because he's stretching around here and and seems to have his suit stretching with him. It's a so. very expensive suit. But, I need uh, yeah. my suit to stretch, and that's like a week at the tailor and like a few hundred bucks. This is, I don't remember Reed having, like, in this one scene, he's he's bouncing through the mall, and he's just, he's just, I don't remember him having bouncy powers, but apparently he has, not only can he stretch, he can also bounce, because he's turned himself into this this fucking bouncy thing, which is pretty They cool. were really interested in making him, like, Noodle Man back then. They don't really do that these days. Yeah. Noodle Man doesn't have quite the same ring to it, although... Well, Plastic Man was taken, and no one was going to do Elongated Man, because that would be dumb. No, because that's weird. Um, (laughs) Who would ever do that? Uh, So the Super Scroll, it's funny how he shows up. He just shows up, and he says, I claim this planet, and all it possesses. And he shows he decides New York City is the place to do this, which just kind of makes sense, I guess. He's like, and then everyone's like, what's going on? Is this, this advertising for something? And he, he just, I love, this is so funny because he's not, he's in no way looks menacing, like at, at all. He, he just gets off his little chariot, puts down a flag, does some flame stuff, puts it in the ground. He's like, all right, hi, I'm the Super Scroll. <laughs> I'm here. There's one panel here. Uh, I think it's on page, I don't know, page 10 uh, in the middle of the page where he, just look at the Super Scroll's face there. He, like, he just looks, Complete frog person. He looks completely comical. He doesn't look remotely threatening, but he does then as as these people tell him to get lost, he does sort of throw them aside. So now he's, he's getting a little more violent and from the scroll homeworld, the scroll emperor is, is watching all of this go down and uh, he's pretty pleased so far, but he says, look, don't get cocky. Yeah. He's talking to the, you know, scroll scientist guy. He's like, don't get cocky yet. All right. The fantastic four haven't even showed up. He's like, well, don't worry. Human Torch is on the way, so watch out. And sure enough, at first, the Super Scroll does quite handily take out the Human Torch because, not like I mentioned, he doesn't just have regular fireball powers. He has antimatter super heat flame powers. So this totally messes Johnny up, gets him out of the way. Uh, Reed is able to catch Johnny in his... Uh, in his noodle net, I guess you might say, uh, as he falls and saves him. Uh, then, of course, Ben Grimm being Ben Grimm, he can't. <laughs> there's, there's the, again, I keep going back to this stuff. This is the kind of silly stuff that you just don't see today. And I wish there was more of it, to be frank. Now, now that I, I read reading more of the Silver Age stuff, there's no necessity to put this scene in, in this in this comic, but it's so funny because Reed, I mean, not Reed, uh, like everyone else has a way to get there faster. So Reed is doing his bouncy thing. I don't know. Maybe Sue is floating on some shit. I have no idea. And, uh, and Jeff, some invisible thing. And when Johnny's flying over there, but thing is just a big lug. So he's got to run down there and he ends up like running through this apartment store and like fall, like sliding. Like he smashes this, by the way, just, just wanton property destruction along the way here. He smashes an, es- an escalator so he can s- use it as a slide instead of just walking down it or whatever he destroys an escalator in a, in a mall slides down it and he's he's going wee like he's having a blast like he's a little kid just uh trying to get to this thing in the city. and it's just there's no purpose for it other than to show us ben Grimm being silly and comics being silly but what did you think of this of this just like three panel scene of ben Grimm doing the uh the escalator slide it's just it's just funny and like superhero books were not meant to be funny all the time like you had camp But then there was just like outright comedy. And I think this is the blending of genres where it's like, you know, what what the superhero was able to do was what like 
the Western era of movies was not able to do what, what like, you know, crime noir films in the twenties and thirties weren't able to do you romances. You could not switch genres. What I love about comics is depending on the story and the scene, they could be a lot of things at once. And that's what Stan Lee was really good at doing. Jack Kirby had a big influence on that as well, because he could just draw anything and make it look good. So when you have moments like this, it's like you can have the the comedy of this moment of him taking down an escalator, but you can also have the fact that the super scrawl is menacing. Um, you know, they were just, they, they were pioneers of this. I don't think they get enough credit. Absolutely. Uh, so returning to our, our action, so to speak now, as Ben is still uh, huffing his way over, trying to uh, make make his way over to this battle here, uh, we have Reed going after him, and he pulls pretty much the only <laughs> the only offensive move he can is wrap himself around the Super Scroll. I guess his plan was to suffocate him. He didn't really say. He just like, I'm going to wrap myself around him. That'll, that should contain him for now. But as we know, Super Scroll's got all the powers of the Fantastic Four, so he's not contained by that at all. He just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding. He expands so far, farther than Reed can handle it, and Reed just has to let go. And um, now we're going to read some of the dialogue here just to really drive home the, the camp of this stuff. He says, the Super Scroll says, now do you realize how helpless you are against me? This is my Super Scroll voice, I guess. It's like a half a half a Kermit type thing. I am my than all of you fella on this planet it seems right first of all reed richard saying fella is very it feels very 60s to me i don't i don't see that happening nowadays reed richard calling someone fella in the middle of this battle fella on this planet that's only called winning the first round and then mr Fan- everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Fantastic. Now, now we're seeing a slightly cooler use of his powers here. He turns one of his fists one of his arms into a giant mallet which makes me wonder though if he is mr stretchy would that mallet even hurt if it landed on you or are you just gonna yes. stretch right into you yes because you can explain it, this okay i can't explain it right. because he can actually increase the density of his muscles not to the point of having super strength but he, when he expands to a certain point he can go ahead and actually cause some damage however because of that that's why he can also like lose energy really fast. Like he can get tired out. Like there's actually a joke in one fantastic four thing where he like makes himself a giant. And then when, you know, like he's stepped on somebody or done something, he like passes out because he's like, I have low blood sugar. So it's a very temporary thing. It drains a lot of him. All right. Well, if there's a comic and there's a power, there's an explanation somewhere. And the somewhere more you th- know. Sometimes that explanation might just be because comics, which means they don't explain it. But in this case, it seems like they actually did. So thank you, Remzo, for that for that more you know moment. The more you know. Um, so yeah, they're uh, they're going at each other, and as soon and the, the super scroll is so fast and stretchy. As in the time that Reed is swinging his big mallet hand, the super scroll stretches himself out all the way to the Palisades shore. Where's the Palisades shore? I don't know. Far from New York City. I don't know. Uses his suit. So he uses his stretchy powers for that. Uses his super strength to grab a cliff and then puts it over his head so that Reed just slams the cliff. I, this seems like a little more than necessary to defend yourself here against against the, the stretchy hand noodle mallet, but it, it does seem successful. And like you said, yeah, Reed's 
hand is hurt because he must have changed his density, I guess. And now his whole arm is it's it's stretched out, but in pain, throbbing in that 1960s pain. But this is just a time for Ben Graham to show up, the big gun, and he smashed his fist right through this little cliff that the Super Scroll is holding. Finally, someone lands a shot on the Super Scroll. But Super Scroll is not phased, of course, because he is the Super Scroll. Wax Ben Grimm back, back, breaks this cliff over him. And I, I got to read, I, I got to include a little Ben Grimm dialogue here. Uh, Grimm says, why do all the cornballs I fight with, with me? Oh, wait, first I'm going to go back to what, what Super Scroll was saying before. He says, well, your only weapon has ever been nothing but sheer brute strength. But now that you see what happens when you face someone whose strength is far greater than yours. And Ben Grimm says, well, why do all the cornballs I fight with make speeches whenever they try to toss a punch? Because this is what every character, especially, I mean, <laughs> Spider-Man perfect this but especially in the 60s every fight is a speech with everybody but whatever i mean ben you could argue ben is doing the same thing here and so as they're fighting the super scroll says so you did not care for my little monologue eh <laughs> like I, now this is where if this wasn't absurd enough this is where we go from camp to just this like is, this is stupid to like, what <laughs> It is so fucking stupid, but I, it's like stupid in the way that it makes me happy instead of angry, it works you know? like it's stupid but it works so Super Scroll says, so you did not care for my middle, you did not care for my little mom. Now he's like Yoda. I don't know. I haven't worked on my Super Scroll too much. Well, when I am finished with you, you will never again hear me speak. You will never hear anything again. You may have forgotten that we Scrolls have the power to alter our bodies in any manner we choose. And now I choose to become a battering ram as his Scroll Frogman face first turns into this weird, almost like human bald guy face with some horns and then just turns into the face of a ram as he shoots his neck out of this this now green ram that is coming at Ben Grimm. Before I go further, what did you think of, of I'm going to turn myself into a battering ram as he literally turns himself into the animal of a ram and a battering ram at the same time? What, what is that? I, I, wish I, was, is I wish I was in the bullpen with Kirby and Lee as they were discussing how to do the scene and Stanley was probably like, make him into a train or something. And then Jack Kirby is like, no, we got to make him a battering ram. The kids would love it. Well, all right. But then you're at least going to make him an, an, an animal, an animal ram, right? Like the animal, a ram. And Jack's like, no, like a, an actual battering, like ram. a battering ram. All right. All right, we'll do both. We'll do both. You see, I don't know why he's a 30s gangster now. Dale. We'll do both. You see, you make him a battering ram and we'll make him a ram. And the fans are going to love it. True believers. My impressions Enough all said. need work from Super Skull to, from Super Skull to <laughs> Stan Lee. They all need work. Nonetheless, the battering ram, Ben braces for it. He's like, I can handle anything. I'm good. And boom, this, this battering ram just knocks him for a loop. But luckily, by sheer coincidence of the way these things have unfolded, uh, he flies right past the Empire State Building and is able to grab onto the Empire State Building needle and then, again, cause massive, what I have to imagine is massive property damage to the top of the Empire State Building as he scrapes down it, just destroying the top of the building. He's like, dude, that's the Empire State Building. You know how expensive that's got to be? And how do they, they got to go fix that? They got to get a huge crane all the way up to that thing? Or what? Like, come on. Who pays for this? Do they pay? They must this pay is why this, everything right? in NYC is so damn expensive. This is why we need, yeah, exactly. This is why rent. This is why the rent is too damn high, man. Ben Graham always destroying escalators and and uh, historic buildings. Anyway, 
Back to our battle, and now uh, everything's just going crazy. I mean, he's he's using the flame powers on Mr. Fantastic. Uh, he's using his invisibility to knock out Johnny Storm, making him fly into a wall. He's just using all the different powers. Now, at first, he was using the power like against each person, so he'd use the strength against the thing. But now he's using the other powers against the other people. So it's just it's just causing a whole tizzy, and he really is kicking their ass. They're not ready for this. Reed's hand. I, I do like the consistency. This reminds me again of, of selling in pro wrestling, and I think it's the little details like this that do that you just probably wouldn't see as much of today. Five pages later, after this after this hammer mallet incident, re, as they're regrouping, Reed Richards is still holding his arm, holding his hand where it got smashed on this super scroll. It's a little thing, but it is the little things, whether it's the fucking battering ram that's ridiculous, the little thing, or whether, whether it's a story little thing that that really it makes you feel like they care. You know what I mean? And it, it harkens back to like the best professional wrestlers, the ones that can build up the most sympathy are the ones that can sort of get an injury in the match. And that body part will be worked on and they'll, they'll, they're able to nurse that injury and build sympathy from the crowd by them continually nursing this injury as they still fight on. So that's how that's done in professional wrestling. So it's nice to see that same kind of consistency, building our sympathy here, uh, building, making us feel like, man, Reed Richards is still holding his fucking mallet hand five pages later. What are they going to do here? But it, it does build that. Okay. So how are they going to take this guy out here? Because they're just, they're just getting their asses kicked. Thoughts. Because I need a break. Yeah. So I need I need a break for more Fox and Sons. Goodbye. Yeah, this is um th- this is where it's like in comics, there was a, a formula for how the fights were, which is the guy has to appear like he's just unbeatable, and then the heroes are just really brought down. And oftentimes, you know, the powers of the Fantastic Four, like individually, they can't go toe-to-toe with a lot of people. But what I like about this group dynamic, and this is where a lot of team books either fail or succeed, it's how they work together, as we're going to see in the coming pages, that actually shows why they're a good superhero team and why, even though they might be mighty in their own right, there are always going to be threats that are more dangerous than them. Like there have been many issues, there have been many issues and stories where the super scrawl will just completely kill any of them in their own right if they were ever to do it but it's how they work together and it's how they figure things out is what makes them more interesting i think that's the key to ensemble books it's how do they bring out the best in each other right now and, and that's it's always been the key to the fantastic four and why i always like this book because they all this has been like what pretty much my favorite hero team i guess at least you, you would say since since i started reading comics uh and as i've talked about on a previous issue this was my very first comic that i've read was an issue of the fantastic four so i've been i've been in on this from quite literally the uh, my comic book beginning and you know they always they all have very distinct personalities and they all play off each other very well uh, often their clashes and their their personality clashes gets them into trouble but in the end of the day they always are able to well usually it's Reed that figures things out in some way but he also doesn't see the full picture because he's such just he's such a scientismo if you will that he kind of needs the regular human perspective he misses the forest for the trees exactly like reed is correct about everything but he doesn't he's often too analytical which isn't we need because he is able to figure out the super sciencey parts of things in the end but he really needs he always needs his teammates in the end to to get him through this because if it was just him sitting in a lab analyzing you know who's gonna punch the super scroll in the meantime yeah Ben Grimm is the answer. So now this, <laughs> I feel like in every Silver Age book, I, I say things like, now this is where it gets really ridiculous. So this scene is where Ben Grimm is now, 
He's luckily been rescued, I guess, from the uh, Empire State Building by the by the fine people of the NYC uh, NYC NYPD. They were just called. The, it says the New York City Police here, so I don't even know if they went by NYPD back then. Uh, but I think maybe they're like, oh no, we need to scribble it in. Ah, shit, yeah. I got the acronym wrong. Just stick with it. It's it's fine. They just get the coppers on it. <laughs> and uh, Ben Grimm is, is hanging off this uh, this like just like this rope ladder uh, off of he gets rescued by the Empire State Building off the rope ladder and then the cops go and rescue the rest of the Fantastic Four as they're trying to get away like they're giving they're like we gotta we gotta regroup we're fucked here uh, now the Super Scroll has taken it up a notch now he is invisible looks like Hawkman for some reason and is shooting flaming arrows at them so he is like now he's combining his own powers and also making himself kind of look like Hawkeye just because he's doing a I don't know I don't that was weird do you see that how he's invisible but almost I think like they Hawkeye? were trying to outline like his ears and everything but oh, okay. it turns yeah, into it. It, it does look like Hawkeye I totally see how you say that I just thought of it because they was doing an archery thing so I was like oh do they just make him look like Hawkeye but yeah that's you're probably yeah. right it is it is a Jack Kirby attempting to do the invisible ears there um, and he says, all right, screw it. Let them run. I shall not descend to their level of pursuit. So I like that Super Scroll is like, I'm not even going to run after them. Like, I'm the fucking Super Scroll. They can they can come find me. In the meantime, as you can see, I've put my flag down. I've claimed the earth. So I'm just going to go ahead and and be the leader of the earth. And if they want to come at me, they can come at me. Uh, so, yeah, he's like, Man, he's okay, still well. less destructive than George Bush was invading Ooh. places. Ouch. <laughs> but does he paint? Pretty pictures of dogs. That's the no. question I have, and I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, it's possible we haven't seen that yet. A lot of Super Scroll tales to explore here. I would like a Super Scroll like year one. Like, I want to see what this guy went through becoming the Super Scroll. Like, how he was selected from the program. Uh, what it was. I'm sure it was torturous going through all of this to to acquire all these powers. I want like how many a, other scrolls died in the process. I want like an Alex Ross, Mark Wade, like a, like a six issue like epic deep dive on on, on his origin story. But I don't know if we're gonna get that. that would be cool. Not. Anyway, back to our uh, battle, and the team is regrouping here. As always, we have Reed trying to come up with a plan. Now, Reed does figure out, oh, wait, he's not just... The reason we he never runs into limits of his power is because he's actually getting power... Stay with me here for some comic science. He's getting power rays, whatever those are. Power rays are being beamed at him from the Super Scroll, the Scroll homeworld. So that's why, like, no, no matter how much they use their powers, he's always got more power than them because he's getting a constant supply of power fed to him again from the power rays. Now, how they shoot the power rays directly so that's hitting the Earth at the right time as it's rotating? I don't know. That's a that's a question. But but anyway, uh, that being said, yeah, he does figure out like, OK, if we can just we can't stop. We can't go to the scroll homeworld. We don't have time for that shit to, to try to shut it down there. Uh, but I can put this implanting device on him and it will stop the reception of the power because because I figured that out in five seconds. I just whip this thing up as, as Reed often does. But how are we going to get it on him? That's the question. Obviously, we're going to use the invisible woman uh, doing what she does best and not not being seen. Uh, so that that is the plan. And so they go out and they decide to challenge the, the Super Scroll. They say, hey, Super Scroll, you bitch, meet us on this island. What is it called? This is some deserted island. It's called Crater Isle. I think that's where they went to go swimming. So we're, we're circling back and they're taking their little ICBM. No, they're taking the pogo plane, whatever that is. <laughs> <clears throat> we're done with the IC, the, uh, the, the passenger intercontinental ballistic missile. Uh, so they're like, look, meet us on Crater Isle and we'll throw down there. Let's do that. And he's like, all right, sweet. I love honorable plan battles for the fate of an entire planet. And, uh, you know, the back on the scroll homeworld, uh, they're watching and they're, they're saying like, all right, they're going to meet for the final battle. Scroll emperor says, increase the power to full intensity. He must not fail because Lord knows there's no other heroes. If we don't take out the fantastic four, 
Um, so yeah, they all go after him. They try to surround him uh, with both. They distract him with Ben Grimm sort of fighting him as, and Johnny's flame and Reed trying to contain him at the same time. <clears throat> and as he, they're doing this and it seems like maybe this will work. We find out the power. We find out the secret power that was not shown to the emperor before. What is the power? Remzo is the power of hypnotism. That's right. So the super scroll not only has all these fantastic they four powers. this later on. <laughs> yeah. Th- this one was a, a, a two panel only power. So he hypnotizes Ben Grimm. So he's like, oh, I can't move. Hypnotizes Johnny Storm. So now, and now he's hypnotizing Reed. And Reed's like, I have to resist. I have to find a way to just, just hold on here. So as Ben and, and Johnny are both taken out because they've been hypnotized, they're just chilling now. Uh, and he is also hypnotizing Reed. We see the invisible woman jump on his back and plant the device. And send, suddenly the Super Scroll is saying, what's happening? I feel strange. I feel weak as though my strength is being sapped. It can't be. His, his impression is all over the map for me. And then we go back to the Scroll homeworld who are just watching in real time, apparently on Zoom. Majesty, something is wrong with the power ray. It isn't making contact. Impossible. Keep trying, you Dalton. They eventually figure out, no, it's not us. Like it's Our power ray is, is beaming just fine. They did something and they interfered with it and whatever. So... But nonetheless, uh, although he's been weakened, as our narrator tells us, our mysterious narrator tells us, uh, he still uh, fights on. And he says, I've lost many of my superpowers because of you, but you won't escape me. I can tell where you are by the pebble. He's chasing Sue here because, look, she has only the power to be invisible. You are are by the pebbles that are falling behind you. I know you've descended into that crater, but where you can go, I can follow. And he follows her all the way until they trick him into basically falling into this uh, pit. He, fa- he falls down and, and cause Reed just pulls him, pulls her out, knows where she is. And he falls as he's lunging at her uh, into this pit. <laughs> and I guess that's where he lives now. The uh, Ben just says, I, they don't really tell you what happens. He's a uh, Ben just, or Johnny says, I hope you're comfortable down there, pal. You're going to be there for a long, long time. Poor super scroll, man. I want to see the lost years, super scroll in the pit. I want to see Dude, him. What, at least the they Franco turn him movie? into a cow. What's the movie where Jamie? Yeah, oh, like, in terms like of a crack something count. hours, like seventy-two hours, yeah, or something where he cuts his arm off. Yeah, where he cuts his arm. I want to see like the Super Scroll version of that, where he has to cut his arm off to get out of this cage, and they fucking bury him alive. <laughs> they just bury him alive. Was it and before it, or after this that they turned a bunch of scrawls into cows? That was later down down the road. That was later. <laughs> like, they're not very up, nice. That to came them. back in a, in some other series too, right? Where that came back in Scrawl Kill Crew. In which you have a bunch of scrawls who have decided to join humanity. They That's go to a was. farm with like the Punisher or somebody and they end up like slaughtering this whole farm and this farmer's like, what's wrong? And they're like, what, you didn't notice that you were putting out green milk? And as they <laughs> kill them, they all turn into scrawls who have been cows for like decades and they're just like, like oh my like, God, it was funny. Being cows, finally. We should cover scrawl kill crew at some point. That would uh, be I'm, funny. I'm game. Um, so I like I like the premise, I'll tell you that. So they bury the super scroll alive because <laughs> the I mean, they heartless this like this is you don't see this nowadays so much like usually they used to abandon people in a lot of in a lot of places where they could like suffocate or starve to death <laughs> yeah i mean when you see it nowadays when you see a a quote-unquote hero you know sort of nonchalantly caring about what happened to whoever they're just fighting it's usually when they're spinning that hero as sort of an anti-hero like a like a punisher type thing but here i mean no these are fully fully supposed to be heroic people who are just burying this guy <laughs> burying this guy and just leaving him so it's over and then we get there 
the floaty head recap, as I call it, where we just uh, they no longer have bodies. And now I guess we've broken the fourth wall again as they uh, they tell us what they're going to do. So Reed says, I've got to admit it, that red hot rascal certainly comes in handy because Johnny sealed the uh, you know Johnny sealed the uh, sealed the pit. So they can suffocate this poor guy alive who was probably drafted into this. Had no probably had no choice in the matter. He's like he seemed actually pretty nice, like relatively speaking, when he arrived to the planet. He didn't just start killing people. He didn't start blowing shit up. He just said, hey. I'm here. I'm the super scroll. This is my planet now. Like, you know, if anyone wants to step to me honorably, we'll, we'll battle it out as the fantastic four did. Doesn't seem like as that far as invaders go, he's like, right. it's like, it's a pretty good deal on the scale of, <laughs> of planetary invaders. He's not that bad a guy. I, I would say at the end of the day, but nonetheless, despite that he is buried alive <laughs> and, and yeah, <laughs> And, 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 uh, yeah, so he buries him alive and, and Susie says, yeah, I guess we all have our uses Reed and, uh, except for you really. And, uh, and, and thing says, yeah, I'd make somebody a, a snappy paperweight, which is our last line of our, which is the last line of this show is, is Ben, ben Grimm making a paperweight joke. I didn't really get that. He's going to turn, he wants to turn the super scroll into a paperweight. Is that uh, what he's saying? I don't sure. know. The sixties are so weird. Uh, and uh, we got a little narration to, to wind us up here. A story has to end somewhere, and this seems to be as good a place as any. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love like it's like, ah, fuck it. I don't know. We ran out of, I, I don't know what to say anymore. So the story's over. Uh, but be with us again next issue for more thrills, surprises, and startling fantasy in the fabulous Fantastic Four manner. manner. The end. I think I miss these cheesy sort of like, see you next week, everybody from Stan Lee. Like, I, I just, I miss all of it. I miss Stan Lee. I miss Stan Lee. I, I think I have a theory that as soon as Stan Lee could no longer appear in Marvel projects is when everything went downhill. Basically. Now, that shouldn't be related because he wasn't involved creatively in any of that stuff, but it's related spiritually. I think. When, when it felt like his fingerprint wasn't on things. Right. That's when everything kind of starts descending. So maybe he's, maybe he had no actual creative, creative control. He was like, yeah, sort of an, an executive producer name only. I think on a lot of this stuff, but maybe once he's gone, it's like, fuck it. The old guy's gone. Let's go. Let's do whatever, you know, let's do whatever we want. That's yeah. what it seems like anyway. So we miss you, Stan. God bless. God bless your campiness because you certainly brought joy here. So it's it's always hard to me to, to rate a story like this because it's hard. Like if this story came out today and they were packaging it as here's a modern comic book to read, you'd be like, this is terrible. What is this? But when you, when you, when you look at it in the context of the Silver Age and what comics were then, you got to look at it differently. So I'll, I'm going to let you start, Remzo, as I, I have I still have to process this myself, how to, how to judge this. Yeah, and I mean, I, I advise listeners, especially newer listeners, to go back and listen to a lot of the stuff we've done. We've done Bronze Age, a couple Golden Age, like that Submariner comic I've done, uh, and some Silver Age. And we try and compare it to the contemporaries and the competitors at the time um, and understand, like, when these were coming out. I mean, we're not dealing with, I mean, they were doing the stuff by hands. They weren't doing this on computers or anything. So given that I'm going to give the artwork a four, because I think this is just classic Jack Kirby. Um, as he goes on later, that's when he really starts to define who he is. And I think that that is really important. Um, so, I mean, I think this is a, you know, I'm going to give the artwork a four because it's just, it's good enough to be recognizable. It's good enough for the story. It's good. I know he does better later. So I'm also comparing him to what I know he does later because Jack Kirby is really coming out with that. Like, honestly, I think I said that the artwork in Eternals issue one, which we covered about a year and a half ago was like way more like uh, in terms of art was like crazy Jack Kirby stuff. And that was a five. So I'm giving the artwork a four. I'm also going to go ahead and give the story a four. This is a quintessential classic, um, 
Fantastic Four story, introducing the Skrulls and Super Skrull, nonetheless. The dialogue is funny. The story feels good. This is easy enough for anyone to pick up, but this is also building upon who the Fantastic Four are. I'm giving it a four because it's it's a solid four. Uh, I could go 4.5, but I don't have a reason for that. So I'm going to go ahead and just say four. So I'm giving this issue, Fantastic Four issue 18, an eight out of 10. Very interesting. All right. Well, I try. I, I want to try not to be too influenced by you. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be too far off. I, I was kind of thinking as I went along with this. Here's the thing, though. It's like there's there's what I think initially, and I think this happens more so with the Silver Age stuff. I, I, I tend to enjoy it more reading it back with you and because we're kind of like joking around and, and looking at the camp more. And and some of these lines that I might gloss over when I'm just reading it by myself, when I say them out loud, and like it, it hits me differently because it's the the extreme camp of it and the sort of hamminess of it comes across even more. And I notice things even more. So I think my score sort of I had in mind about a three five here for the writing anyway. And I think I think I continued to enjoy it more as I went because when you embrace the camp and the hamminess as part of it, as part of the package, as part of what they're trying to do for you, it's hard to knock off points for it, especially when it, look, it has me smiling. I've been smiling this whole episode. How was the last time I smiled talking about something Marvel related, you know, for, for 45 Not for a minutes while. Not for a while. So they, Stanley has brought me joy. It, it would be silly to call this a five, but I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with a four on the writing. A little lower on the art. I'm going to go like, I, I like Jack Kirby. I think he's done some incredible art. I don't think this is Jack Kirby's finest work. A lot of it's kind of, um, some of it is, you know, some of the, look, Hawkeye ears, for example. Uh, I feel like sometimes Jack Kirby, maybe in this era, was doing too much and sometimes just said, did some, did stuff without as much detail as I know he's capable of. So I don't, again, I'm only bringing it to a three, five, still above average, but I don't think this is necessarily Jack Kirby's finest work. So I'm going to go a little lower than you on the art, which does get me to a slightly lower score of a 7.5 for the art. No, I'm sorry. Yes. That's what I'm saying. 7.5 for the, no. Wow. 7.5 for a total. I'm like, I'm in a math loop right now, a 3.5 for the art. And a four for the writing, which is a 7.5, which brings me to an SPC. That's where I'm trying to go. SPC score of 15.5. Thank you very much. Oh, no one told me there'd be math. <laughs> yeah, 15.5. It's a good Sunday read. Indeed. And if you all appreciate us reading this for you and talking about it and reacting to it here, then... What you could do, if you so chose, well, there's a couple things you could do. You could do the free thing, which we really like, and that is share the show, tell a friend about the show, uh, go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and a great review, tell people why you like the show. It's all viral, baby. We're all viral. We all are on working on word of mouth here. So that's We're a wonderful men thing. men of the people. If you want to do that, we will be incredibly grateful. But if you want to kick it up a notch... If you want to just be a little bit cooler, you can go over to patreon.com slash second print pod where you will see many, many tiers of options, uh, which range up to and including besides just getting all the bonus audio content. Like now I'm doing a bonus show called Thunderstruck going through the Thunderstrike series. I am doing Case of the Runs where I go through uh, some com- uh, longer runs of comics as I'm doing with Jeff John's JSA right now. Remzo gets in there and does Remzo rants. Uh, he does some, occasionally you get a, a very good rant like he did He did when his instant reaction to the Flash review. That was all very sorts, rancy. All sorts of bonus content for you guys. And uh, what else, Remzo? You got a special going right now. Well, we've gone ahead and already gotten somebody who's jumped into our summer special. This will go ahead and go until August 31st. If you sign up at the $5 level or higher, or if you're a current patron, you upgrade to the next tier. 
you will go ahead and get an autographed poster and I will go ahead and donate out of pocket $1 to the Gary Sinise Foundation, which is helping military veterans and their families, providing them with uh, you know entertainment opportunities and the resources they need. I thought, it was to help, I thought it was to help Gary Sinise get more acting roles. That's not, I was confused about this chair. No, man, he's living off Forrest Gump for the rest of his life. He he did NCIS. He did NCIS for fun, man. Yeah. Lieutenant Dan has got it going on. And I, I want to just, you know, people were kind of wondering why this charity, uh, for, for many of you who have followed me for years, uh, you know, that I, you know, I'm a, I'm a army veteran served in the army out of high school, got out, uh, early 2021. Um, you know, my, my family, my father is now retiring uh, from the U.S. Army active duty. So, like, I've always been – I have always had passion for supporting military service members, especially their families. I think the families, even after, you know, the, the era of the Iraq war and everything, like, they don't get as much attention, but there's still a lot of needs and opportunities to help service members and their families even now. So, while there are other military charities out there – I'm not keen on some of them that spend a lot of their resources on outings for their boards or paying Trace Adkins or whoever is doing all the celebrity endorsement stuff. I want to actually know who is actually providing back to the people that they want to help. And the Gary Sinise Foundation, in my opinion, is the best uh, veterans charity in the United States. I've always donated to them annually and this is just another opportunity to do it so so far we got one person we got ariella from columbia he went ahead and messaged me on patreon today he said you don't want to spend 200 dollars on shipping for my 15 dollars subscription hey man i just want to support the show ariella i promise you as i message back i'm gonna find out how to get you that we'll figure out something just send uh, him some money I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll figure something out, man. We'll, we'll, right, figure, we'll figure something, something out. out. We appreciate the support. Area. Yeah. So we've really got do. $1 for the Gary Sinise foundation. Remember join at $5 or higher upgrade your tier, get a signed poster and help give uh, some, some cash, some smeckles to the Gary Sinise foundation, all that and more at patreon.com slash second print pod. And if you want new content, we've been doing a lot of stuff over on Substack. That's second print com- That's second print comics.substack.com we got weekly articles sunday recaps and of course all episodes of the show you can catch the youtube version and the spotify links within those episodes and more second print comics.substack.com so many ways you can go ahead and support the show today indeed that being said we'll return once again next week i think we'll be back probably doing a pop episode next week looking at who knows what we'll figure it out we'll see you when we get there but until then remzo do you have any final words for our listeners Viewers, Folks, it's whatever. sweet. It's simple. Whisper it to your lover during your nightly pillow talk. It's say it's read comics. Save the world. Change the world. Save the world. Well, we can save it too. Save, save it world. and change it. Maybe we should change. Save it. and change. Anyway, good night. Good night, America. <laughs> Adios. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments. Not minutes, like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.